0: Good morning, good afternoon, good day. Because not everybody, if you're watching online, then this could be like 3 a.m. for you. And God bless you for being awake and diving in on a sermon. But wherever uh, you're sitting here in the room, we're glad that you're here. If you're out there in the digital universe, then welcome to you as well. Um, my, my little girl, Leilani, she's four and a half, and, and she started um, uh, wanting to pray Uh, When we, we, you know, we pray before a meal or whatever, um, she'll now say, "Can I pray? Can I pray?" And oh yeah, sure. We didn't want to ever force, you know. And and so um, when she started to ask, "Yeah, of course, go for it," and uh, we were blown away uh, by the words that were coming out of this little heart uh, just in prayer. It was so encouraging. Her big brothers that are eleven and twelve go, "Gosh, that was way better than we pray." And. And it was so encouraging. But then as time has gone on, uh, she's um, hit a couple moments where she'll, she'll say, can I pray? Can I pray? And we say, yeah. And then we all bow our heads. And then it's just silent. Uh, She doesn't quite know how to jumpstart the prayer or, you know, whatever. And we've all been in that situation where somebody says, hey, do you want to pray? And you get a little heart attack and you go, "Uh, I don't really like doing that in front of other people. But she said, you know, a couple moments where uh, nothing comes out. uh, But her big brothers, uh, they step up and and they help her out. And so uh, she says, can I pray? Can I pray? And then we say, yeah, sure. And then we all go to pray. Still nothing. And then one of her brothers will go, Thank you, God. Thank you for everything. And then she'll go, Oh, thank you, God, and then she'll start praying. It's just exactly what she needed. It was kind of cute. Well, last week I went home uh, between a a meeting that I had at the night and finishing up a day here. So I came home, I only had about twenty minutes, and we were just gonna eat dinner, and then I had to head back out. And I'm rushing. And just kind of trying to get through. We sit down at the dinner table and and, uh, I say, okay, let's pray. And then I start in. "Uh, Dear God, please, thank you. Just, oh gosh, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I realize what's coming out of my mouth, I'm not praying. I'm just doing this rehearsed thing because I want to dive into the food. And I'm not even thinking about I'm talking to a holy, almighty God. I've just rushed right into the situation. And uh, it was like the Lord just stopped me dead in my tracks. I was so thankful for it. I could just hear him going, are you even talking to me? I mean, what is this that you're doing right now? And, and I just, it stopped me. Like in my heart of hearts, I just shut my mouth and I kind of made a noise. And I just went. And then silence. And I didn't even know what to say. I didn't know what to pray. And I'm just sitting there in complete silence, and then I hear my four-year-old girl go, thank you, God. (laughs) Did you know that some really, really good things happen if we would just shush already? Some really amazing things can happen and do happen when we just shut up <laughs> there is so much talking there's so many opinions there's so many words out there i mean and in any given day the things that we say out loud Or you log into social media and just in 30 seconds, what you're bombarded with, the words that everybody else, all their opinions, all their thoughts, it's just thrown up all over us. And before we, we continue any further in this series called Storehouse that is about our words... Uh, we're we're going to get to a point where we talk about um, some specifics about the, the good words that should be coming out of our mouths and avoiding the toxic bad words that come out of our mouths. We're going to slow down before we even get there today just to invite God to get us to hold our tongue and to be quiet and to say nothing. Holy Spirit, would you please give me some sort of self-control with my words that before I even begin to process the good that should come out of my mouth or pull in the bad, can we just stop talking first and then let him reorient the type of words that should be coming out of our mouths? There's There's a story in the Old Testament uh, that, that happened with these, uh, these people that is such a glimpse of uh, when we don't hold our tongue and what can come of it, juxtaposed right next to uh, someone who um, uh, speaks gently and, and meekly and what that does. And it's found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. But let me, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on here. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, uh, David, who is going to be king, is not king yet. And uh, he he is uh, on the run from King Saul. And he has uh, ended up kind of in these fields next to uh, this flock of sheep uh, that are owned by a man named Nabal. And uh, Nabal is a rich man and he's got all these sheep and for a period of time David and his people are hanging out there And they're kind of looking out for these sheep and they haven't stolen any or done anything bad Uh, But the longer that they're hanging out there, their own provisions are running low And and so eventually they send word to Nabal saying, hey, can you help us out? Can, Can you provide anything for us? And so David sends servants with that message to Nabal. Hey, can you provide a little bit of help for us as we've been out here? That would just be a huge blessing to us. And the message lands at Nabal's household before the husband and wife. And what you see here, verse three, his name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. <laughs> okay, you have uh, intelligent and beautiful, and you've got surly and mean. How many of you here are intelligent and beautiful? <laughs> okay, and the rest of you are, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so what, what this is just a, kind of a foreshadowing here is what Pastor John kicked off the series with last week. And it's uh, why we're calling it storehouse. It comes from words of Jesus that are found in Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 45, where Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if you have a good heart, then good words come out. If you got a bad heart, then bad words come out. If what God's up to on the inside is really strong and really good. And the fruit that he produces is good words. But if there's uh, some not so good stuff going on inside, if there's death and destruction going on in your heart and your soul, then the words that will come out at some point are death and destruction. You will either speak life or you will speak death. And so we've got Nabal and we've got Abigail. Abigail. And right off the bat, we're given a little window here that Abigail, intelligent, beautiful, gracious, kind, we've got Nabal who's surly and mean. Can you guess, without even diving into the rest of the story, what type of words are going to come out of either of their mouths? Of course you can. And this is the same sort of thing that you get into when you've got relationships with people. You, you are not even surprised anymore by uh, what comes out of someone's mouth because you know who they are. You've had plenty of interactions. And you can't judge a heart. I can't judge a heart. But I can judge fruit. I I can listen. If I spent a certain amount of time with you or you with me, then just based on what you talk about, I would have some sense of what's going on on the inside. If you and I hung out and you listened to what I said, then you would have some sense of what God's doing in, in my heart. And so uh, you've got Nabal and you've got Abigail. Well, these servants show up and they go to Nabal and they say, hey, we've got some needs and we're coming on behalf of David. And would you provide for us just, just a little bit, whatever you can spare uh, for David and, and his men? And Nabal, being surly and mean, uh, he just speaks, uh, go figure, impulsively. He speaks first and he thinks later. Maybe he didn't even think at all. Uh, Out of the overflow of his heart, he just speaks impulsively and uh, surly and mean and just says, who does this David guy think he is? Why would I share my hard-earned provisions for somebody else that I don't even know very well? No way. That's my translation. And the servants take that word back. And out of the impulse and the surliness, here come the surly words, that message goes back to David. And now... He receives that request, the the response to the request, and and then David says, oh man, nobody talks to me that way. Game on. I'm going to go set this guy straight. That's also my translation. And he rallies hundreds of his guys, and they're going to go battle it out with this surly, mean guy. Now, do you see uh, around uh, an opportunity here, around some need here, uh, there's a bit of a, a spark. Uh, there, there's some embers that are slightly burning. Nabal has some embers. Uh, David, we knew when he was on with God, he's really on. When he's off, he's really off. So there's some embers there. But, but now the words that are spoken fan these embers into massive flame. Has that ever happened in your marriage or your friendships or your workplace? You'd been having a rough day or a rough decade. And somebody said that thing at that time and it just, it sparks. And before you could even pull the words back, well, here we go. And this has just ignited this massive thing in this situation. And uh, meanwhile, David's getting his group all riled up and they're gonna advance on Nabal. Meanwhile, back in Nabal's household, look at what happens, verse 14. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, uh, David sent messengers uh, from the wilderness to give our master his greetings. But he, Nabal, hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now, think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And this is classic what happens here. If you are someone that tends to struggle speaking uh, impulsively or talking first and thinking later or speaking harshly. Uh, the content of what you say is destructive, the tone that you say things is hurtful, then don't be surprised if people don't go to you directly with a concern. Did the servant who had seen this take place address his master Nabal directly? No. Who did he go to? He went to Abigail. He went to the intelligent, gracious, kind person. The problem when we begin to uh, speak impulsively or destructively is it communicates to a whole bunch of people around us that we are not safe. And if you're not a safe person, then why would I share with you? Why would I talk to you? And this, don't we, if we're a follower of Jesus, this is the exact opposite thing that we, if we're a follower of Jesus, we want people to know that we're safe. We want people to know that that they can talk to us, that they can come to us directly, even if the concern is about us. But we want to be safe people. But if you move from the outside in, Uh, Just evaluating someone's words. Hopefully people hear how you speak and what you speak about. And that is something that magnetically draws people to you. Because really it's not the words that are drawing them in. They are magnetically drawn to you because they can sense something about your heart. Whether they have the language for it or not, they hear the words coming out of your mouth and the tone with which you communicate. And there's something magnetic about it that says, I can trust this person, but I can't trust that person. Abigail was someone that the servants could trust. And in contrast, Nabal was this guy that was so wicked that no one could even talk to him. The more that our words continue to be destructive, the more isolated you will become. Because to be around you as a destructive talker is to be injured. And nobody got time for that. I mean, that's exhausting. It's hurtful. Well... Abigail then, she springs to action. She hears what the servant has said. And she's not gonna waste any time and she's gonna uh, take some gifts and some servants and with herself, she's gonna go out and try to intercept David and his people that are advancing. And so they ride out to do something and they cross paths with David. And when they cross paths, Abigail steps up And she begins to speak life. Her demeanor, uh, the content of her words, the tone of her words. It's a beautiful thing. It's a life-giving thing. And when she speaks to David, right off the bat, she sets the tone uh, verse 25. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. That that's that's her husband. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. Ooh. <laughs> okay. If you're a wife, maybe not the best choice of words there. Is Abigail perfect? No. But what is she communicating? Uh, this guy is really true to who he is. Uh, his, who he is here is what comes out here. And he speaks folly. He's engaged in folly. And uh, everybody can see it. I can see it. The servants can see it. And that's the case when we're people that are ripping people to shreds behind their back or not behind their back. When we're speaking destructively, gossiping, slandering Uh, manipulative talk you name it people can tell people can see it people know what you're doing you may not be safe enough for for them to be able to speak up and let they may not let you know that they know that you're a fool because they know you won't receive it but they can see it and it's destructive and oh man, would that not be said of us? And where Abigail goes from here is quite the, quite the speech. And then she speaks life and she's a coming presence to a David that's now all worked up. And when she uh, completes what she has said, it is such a blessing on the heart and the mind of David that it changes his course of action. In verse 32, here's David's response. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. We heard this phrase a few months ago as a leadership and it's a phrase that we've really tried to adopt um, amongst ourselves because we feel like it's a really good one. And the phrase is this. When you're heading into a difficult situation where uh, there's the embers have started to burn, a tough moment, a tough person, we all carry two buckets. One bucket has water and the other has gasoline. Choose water. You know, you've got someone that is surly and mean or their situation is very delicate and tense and to say the wrong thing, the wrong way would just ignite this fire like it's going on here. And to make it worse would then be to to meet destructive language with destructive language. But what is that? That's just pouring gasoline on a fire. And no wonder stuff got worse. Not better. And so, in the midst of the situation, Abigail chooses water. Abigail steps into a tense situation and, and pours water on it. And it changes the whole direction of where this thing could have gone. That's the power of our words, that's why they matter so much. In Proverbs, Uh, Chapter 15, it says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Just take a heart check for just a moment. Do the words that come out of your mouth, are they impulsive, harsh surly, mean, immediate, careless, thoughtless, too quick, or are you slow to speak and slow to anger? Are you one that speaks gently and meekly, especially when it's a tense situation? There's no better example for me and you than that, than Jesus. While he was on earth, I mean, you talk about meekness and humility and gentleness. Yes, there were times where he flipped tables over and needed to speak the truth very, very boldly. But but I look at the tense situation at the cross when he could have attacked back or justified or blamed what other people what was going on. But instead he held his tongue. And instead through the crucifixion he doesn't say very much. Because the bigger picture was he, he's, he's trying to solve this sort of sin. Not contribute to it. And his gentleness, he, he's our big brother. He, he's our example that we should follow in his steps, even with regard to our words. There's another proverb that, uh, when I saw the New Living Translation version of this particular proverb, It made me laugh and it was just too good not to share. And so here's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Can I get an amen, brothers and sisters? (laughs) Oh, man. You don't need the Hebrew on that one. We don't need it to open a commentary. You get this. We have all experienced this. We've all done this ourselves. We talk too much and then we're just digging a hole deeper and deeper. You can hear the toilet flushing sound as you're swirling the bowl and getting sucked down. And you're going, man, why did I even open my mouth? Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. Yes, there are some important things that we should be speaking. And there are certainly some things that are, if we do say, are going to get us into trouble. Could we just start to pray, God, would you just make me quiet way more than I am right now? Would you train me in what it is to keep my mouth shut? And by the power of your Holy Spirit, once, once you have got a hold of that area in my life, then we can start to talk about the, the, the good stuff that I should be saying. But let's just ratchet it back. Let's close the floodgates first. And so I just want to, in light of all this, be, be still here for a couple of minutes. Be quiet. Be silent before God. And just, just kind of uh, live with the awkwardness of keeping your mouth shut. And there's going to be some phrases that come up on the screen here in just a minute. That just in silence, maybe just receive these phrases in silence. And then I'll pray for us. Let's just be still. In Exodus, the Israelites are backed up against the Red Sea. And God is ready to part the sea. And He speaks up to Moses and just says, God is going to fight for you. And all you have to do is be silent. let god be god let him fight for you and just invite him to hold your tongue while you wait on him and so father we ask that you would make us better at that we need you to make us even able to hold our tongue we need you To slow us down, we need you to give us self control. We need you to not just react in the moment. We need you to go to work on our hearts, knowing that whatever is going on in our hearts will find its way out the good, the bad, or the ugly. Father, continue to make us safe people. Continue to make us people that are magnetically attractive to others by the words that we speak. Give us soft hearts, tender hearts, open first and foremost to your leading and then second to be used by you. Help us speak life when we do speak to the people closest to us in the middle of tense situations or like Abigail that was stuck in the middle between two hotheads. God, would you use our gentleness and our meekness, the right words at the right time just to cover what could be a, a forest fire situation with water at the right time.